God is good. And all the time, I'm glad you said that. I was, that was in my notes. <laughs> We're speaking about notes. I hope you uh, picked them up on the way in. If you don't, if you haven't gotten them, they are back there. But um, let's do that again. God is good. And all the time, praise God. Have you ever doubted that, though? Have you ever doubted that? The goodness of God. Now, I know as a Christian, we're not supposed to ever doubt. We should have faith in the goodness of God. Amen. But I wonder if you, like me, have ever wondered, have ever doubted in a moment when you're experiencing something and, and you're saying, God you really don't feel good right now. It might have been if you lost a job or, or, or you know, there was a, a divorce in your life or it could have been a betrayal by a spouse or, or maybe a loved one died. It might have been when, when you asked the question, God, why, why can't I get rid of these migraines or this, this sickness or... Why am I still battling depression and, and God, why don't you, why, why won't you take this temptation away from me? Maybe it's just an ordinary everyday movement when you're thinking, God, I'm trying to do what's right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to church. I, I read the Bible. Uh, I give some. I, I try to help people. I try to do what's right. But God, just not happy. I, I thought at this point in my life that that this point with, with you, Lord God, that I'd be much more happier. Or if it's not one of those issues, maybe it's when you look at the global things that are going on around us, this, this pandemic that we're in. Or you look around the world and you say, God, why are, are, why are children starving? What about all the conflict around the world, all the wars that we see? Why is it that we see innocent suffering? Why is it that we see, uh, you know, human trafficking going on? God, if you're good, why do we see all this? If you've ever questioned the goodness of God, today's message is for you. Because the title of today's message is, Why Did God Let It Happen? God, why did you let this happen? So let's pray. Father, we pray today as we open up your word, Holy Spirit, that you would just do a work in our hearts and in our minds, in our very beings, Lord God. Those who are questioning and those who are struggling and those who are hurting, Lord God, even in the middle of the pain and the, and the disappointment, God, help us today to see your goodness. Help us to see your goodness. And we pray this in the name of the one who is good and holy, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why did God let it happen? Now, this is actually a question that has been asked for a long time. I mean, 300 years before Jesus, there was this Greek philosopher named Epicurus. And he came to these, these 
these questions about God, and this is what he said. He had two questions in the statement. His, his first statement, and I'm kind of paraphrasing this, it's, it's really long, and, and when you read it in English, it's, it's rather archaic language. But basically, the first statement he said was this. If God is able to uh, prevent evil, if God is not able to prevent evil, if he can't stop bad things from happening, then God must not be all-powerful. His second big statement was, if God's not willing to prevent evil, then he must not be all-good. And that led him to a question. If God is both, uh, if God is both willing and able to, pre- to prevent evil, then why does evil exist? Why did God let it happen? This is a question that is actually one of, one of the biggest questions out there when you, when you go out and you, and you start looking at um, apologetics, Christian apologetics. Is, this is one of the things that the, the, those who don't believe in God bring up. Those who question the authority of Scripture bring this up. But today, as we look at Scripture, you're going to see that evil and suffering is, is actually not contrary to the story of the Bible. What you'll discover is that evil and suffering is actually central to the story of the Bible. And if there's one thing that I want to accomplish today, it's through Scripture, I want to show you this big thought. That if, if being a follower of Jesus, that, that Christianity... If you're following Jesus, the Son of God, Christianity makes sense of and gives meaning to and offers a solution for the evil and suffering that we experience. Through the eyes of Scripture, through the lens, a biblical lens, we can see, and it makes sense of all the the suffering that we see in the world. It gives meaning to it. Now, in order to embrace that idea, I want, I want, what I want to do is give you a foundation from Scripture. And we're going to show you that the Bible doesn't avoid pain. It doesn't avoid evil. It doesn't avoid, uh, um, avoid suffering. In fact, as you read through the stories of the Bible, you're going to see countless expressions of anguish and confusion. You're going to see rage and suffering and pain. In fact... If we just look at four of them in the Old Testament, you'll find Jeremiah. Jeremiah is known as the the weeping prophet. And he's wailing out to God in grief because of the unrepentance of the people. He says, God, why won't they just turn to you? If you read the story of David in the Old Testament, a man described as, as a man after God's own heart, He's so in love with God and he's worshiping God. He's trusting God again and again and again. But even he cries out, God, are you listening? God, do you hear me? Hear my cry, oh God. Attend them to my prayer. Do you even care? Are you listening? Will you come to my defense in a time of trouble? If you flip over to the New Testament, 
one of the one of the most troubling stories is, is John the Baptist. Now, before before you start flipping there, I just take your Bibles and turn to Psalm seventy three because that's where we're going to start here. Psalm seventy three. But John the Baptist was this guy. All he wanted to do, all he was called to do, was to uh, just prepare the way for the Messiah to come. He said that there, you know, the Messiah is coming, and this one who is coming. I'm not even uh, worthy of untying his sandals. All he wanted to do was announce the Messiah is coming. And then John the Baptist, whose whole ministry was devoted to the Lord, he gets arrested. And he's awaiting uh, potential execution. As a matter of fact, from the jail cell... He has his disciples go to Jesus and he says, Would you ask Jesus, is he the one or should we wait for another? Jesus could have easily went in and and gotten his cousin, John the Baptist, out of jail. John the Baptist ends up getting, getting his head chopped off. You know, so where was God when that happened? Going back to the Old Testament, we we see we see uh, one of the personal examples to me is is from Asaph, a prophet named Asaph. Now, uh, you know, I, I know that you when you, when you read the Bible, when you read the Psalms, you may not realize this, but David didn't write all the Psalms. As a matter of fact, 12 of the Psalms are, are actually attributed to Asaph. He not only was a poet, he was also a, a prophet. But actually, his job when he wrote these was the, the, the leader of the tabernacle choir. So in Psalm 73... This is what it says. It actually tells you, this is Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Verse 1, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So this guy, he's he's a worship leader. And so he was close to God. And yet in, in one of his songs that he wrote, he said, I almost stumbled. He was complaining that the wicked, those who did wrong, seemed to get all the blessings and he didn't understand where God was. In verse 11, he says, what does God know? What does God know? He has, does the Most High even know what's happening? Have you ever felt like that before? Have you ever felt like that before? God, do you even see this? Then he says, look at these wicked people enjoying the life of ease while, while their riches multiply. And then he asks, do I keep my heart, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? 
Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Have you ever thought about that? You look around and you see the, the, the prosperity that is happening around you and you're thinking, God, that could have been me. I, I could have had the riches. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep my innocent? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get trouble all day for nothing. Every morning brings me pain. This worship leader wonders, where is God? Why, God, are you letting this happen? I want to wrestle with some very weighty questions, and I'm going to tell you up front, I don't have clear, clean-cut answers to all of them. But I want to wade through these questions, and I want you to be willing to think. Would you say that I'm willing to think? Okay, I got a couple people. Let me hear that again. Are you willing to think? Okay, because we're going to think a little bit today, and I We may not have clear-cut answers, but we want to take some weighty questions before God because God can handle our doubts. Amen? There is no question, there's no doubt that we can have that would ever knock God off the throne. And God's never going to say, I never thought of that. Have you ever thought of that? That God would never go, caught me by surprise with that one. Okay? So uh, one of the most common questions that you're going to hear or you have asked is, if God is good, if God is loving, then why does he allow suffering? If God is good, why do people who are innocent suffer? Those who don't do, do anything wrong, why do they go through tough times? Why would God allow that to happen? To answer this question, if God is loving... Why would he uh, allow suffering? I'm going to give you an answer, and I, and, and I want you to think. Why would God allow suffering? What's the answer to that? The answer is, if loving is a choice, if love is a choice, suffering is a possibility. I want you to think about that. If love is a choice... If it's possible to love, it's also possible to hurt. Why? I want to explain it logically and scripturally. We have to understand that the only way, in, uh, the only way that love is possible is because we have a choice to love. The theological term is, I know you can pay thousands of dollars to get a, get a doctorate in theology, but I'm going to give you the, the, the reason for this for free. Okay? The theological term is free will. Free will. Free will is simply the ability to choose. If you simply put, if you have the ability to choose love, then you also have the ability to choose hate. You understand that? If you have the ability to choose what's right, you also have the ability to choose what's wrong. And that's what makes evil and suffering possible. So why did God give us free will then? And the answer is this. Because that's the only way that love is possible. 
It's the only way that love is possible. If he doesn't give us the ability to choose, then we couldn't choose to love him. Why did God, why did God give us free will? Why did God, God do this? And the answer is because he didn't want a rock or a robot. He wanted a relationship. See, God is love. And he wants us to receive his love. He wants us to choose to love him back for who he is. He wants to be loved. And in order for us to be able to choose to love him, we had to be able to choose to love him. The challenge is this. In order for us to have the freedom to choose love, we also have to have the freedom to choose evil. And when we choose evil, we choose what the Bible calls sin. And what does sin do? Unfortunately, sin leads to pain and suffering. So for God to remove evil and suffering, what he has to do is either has to remove our freedom to choose, or he has to remove us. Have you ever thought about it that way? So if we're honest and we have integrity as we look at this issue, we cannot use the presence of evil and the suffering as proof that God does not exist. In fact, in reality, the fact that we do believe in evil and suffering is more proof that God does exist. It's proof that, it's proof that he does. Some people will say, well, if you suffer, that means God doesn't love you. Well, we have to understand that suffering isn't a lack of, uh, or isn't evidence for the lack of love. We see it every day, don't we? Those of you who have children, how many of you have children? Yeah. Have you ever disciplined your child? Are we still allowed to do that? I don't know, it's been a while. How do you do it? You discipline your children, okay? Is it because you hate your children? No, it's because you love your children. And you have something better for them. You want to keep them out of jail. You want to keep them off of drugs. You want to keep them employed and in church. Things like that. The presence of pain is not a lack of love. In fact, oftentimes the presence of real pain is the evidence of real love. And that raises a question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Have you ever wondered that? Why are those who don't do anything wrong, why are those innocent children the the ones that are abducted and sold into sex slavery? Why is it that that things that are tragic happen in the life of the innocent. And it's difficult to answer because you, you're not going to want to hear what I have to say, but we never ask. Or whenever we ask, why do bad things happen to good people? We're really not talking about ourselves, are we? I mean, come on now. We have to understand, Scripture tells us that we are not good people. Not a big amen statement there, is it? You say, well, I got a good heart. 
I don't know about that. Because I don't have a good heart. My heart leads me to trouble all the time. I mean, come on now. Let's be honest with ourselves. Man, if you, if you knew th- some of the things that went through my mind, you go, man, pastor, I got to leave this church. I'm going to another church. Sorry about that. You know, the problem is, if you go to that church, you knew the, what had gone through that pastor's mind, you'd be, going, you'd be church hopping all the time. Because every single one of us has sinned. The Bible tells us that our hearts are deceitful. The world will tell you, well, just go with your heart. Scripture says your heart is deceitful. Every single one of us has sinned. We've fallen short. The Scripture says that we have fallen short of God's standards. Every single one of us. There's not one person listening to this or in this place today that has not failed God. In fact, the only one who has ever lived, who has ever was good, who is it? Jesus. Exactly. The Son of God. So why do bad things happen to good people? Truthfully, something bad only happens to someone. Something bad only happened to someone who was good one time. Because there was only one who was good. And Jesus volunteered to do it. The innocent one who never did anything wrong took on the punishment for every single thing that we have ever done wrong. Think about that. The one who never did anything wrong took the punishment for all of us for everything that we had ever done wrong. There is only one who is good. Why did God do that for us? Why did God suffer for us? He suffered for you. He surrendered the glory of heaven and was born into poverty as Jesus. He was mocked as as a bastard child born to an unwed mother. Jesus was rejected by those closest to him, his family. He was abandoned by his friends. He was falsely accused when he did nothing wrong, he was wrongly imprisoned. God, the or Jesus, the only one who was good, was beaten, tortured, stripped naked, hung shamefully on a cross. And, and worst of all, that one who was good, the Lamb of God, became sin, Scripture says. Became sin for us. The innocent one took the sins of the world to die on the cross, so that we might be forgiven. Jesus did that for us. And in doing so, what did Jesus do? He was separated from the Father because He became sin on our behalf. After a lifetime of perfect intimacy with the Father, Jesus was separated from that intimacy. And then He cried out in the same question, you and I have cried out. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The one who did nothing wrong. God, Father, I've served you faithfully. I've been obedient to every single way. Why have you forsaken me? 
Jesus did that for us. He did this for you. He did this for me. And he felt more pain than we could ever feel. So why would God allow that? Why would God allow suffering? I can't answer every question of that directly, every single situation. Why are you going through what you're going through? Why doesn't God do, do what he could in our situation? Why did someone have to do, uh, have to go uh, through something and why didn't God stop it? And the answer is, I don't know what it is. But I do know what the answer is not. And the answer is not, God doesn't love you. Because scripture is ridiculously clear that when it comes down to love, God is love. Let me tell you, John 3.16, it's in your notes there. For God so loved the world, that God so loved. Love is not just something else that he does. It's who he is. For God so loved the world that, what did he do? He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So what did God do? How much does God love us? God loves us so much, loves you so much, that he took our misery, he took our suffering so seriously that he was willing to have his son take it. Why? Because God knew something better was coming. He knew something better was coming. He knew that it takes death to have a resurrection. He knew that sometimes it takes hurt to have a healing. Sometimes it takes loss to overcome the loss and find victory. Sometimes it's out of bondage that you step in and find freedom. He knew that even out of the darkness, he was so good and so powerful and so present that he could even bring more light out of that bad. That's how we know our God is good. He knows in your life something better is coming. What does the Bible say? The Bible doesn't say that you won't have a hard time. The Bible doesn't say you'll never hurt. The Bible doesn't say that you won't go through something unfair. The Bible says that we will suffer. And the Bible says that one day we'll die. And the Bible says that one day we'll rise. Those who use our free will, our choice, our choice to follow Jesus, to know Jesus, to serve Jesus, to love Jesus, they will meet him in eternal glory, and one day we will suffer no more. Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm feeling this turn. Something better is coming. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4 tells us that one day, when everything's said and done, the earth is gone, there's a new heaven and a new earth, and Jesus reigns in every form and fashion from throne, from the throne. It says that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. All of these things are gone forever. Because something Better is coming. Imagine in the presence of God, no more loss. No more sickness, no more rejection, no more heartache, no more shame, no more grief, no more depression, no more abuse, no more crying yourself to sleep, no more pain. 
but we're not there yet. We're still in that sin-stained world where because love is possible, so is evil. And that's why at every, any given moment, at any shop sign, uh, snapshot, any moment in your life, when something seems fair, it's easy to conclude that God is not good. But not in just a moment, but when you walk with Jesus, you feed on his word, you learn to trust in his presence, you let him comfort you in the middle of grief, and somehow he gives you a peace that, that doesn't make sense. And you see his people as flawed as we are, love you and surround you in a given moment. He may not feel good, but if you walk with him over a lifetime, you'll see by his faithfulness, you will see and you will conclude that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. You remember Asaph? He's the guy who said, God doesn't even see. God, do you see this happening? That's Psalm 37. Excuse me, 73, thank you. Psalm 73, verses 13 through 17 say this. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Until I entered in the sanctuary. Excuse me, until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. This guy who wondered, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? I've got trouble all day long. The morning brings nothing but pain. This is what he says after walking with God faithfully. He says, when I try to understand with this, understand this, it troubled me deeply. I love the honesty that he says here. Because it's okay sometimes that we don't like it. It's okay that we don't understand it. He says, it bothers me. It didn't seem fair. It troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Until I got into his presence. Think about that. Verse verse 26, he said, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. I didn't understand. I didn't like it. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. So I came to tell everybody today. That the problem of evil and suffering. Is not contrary to the story of the Bible. As a matter of fact. It's central to the story of the Bible. And more than anything else. As believers. As Christ followers, Christianity makes sense. Let me say it like this. Christianity makes sense of 
And it gives meaning to and offers a solution for the evil and suffering that, that we experience. So for those of you who are suffering right now and you're hurting, I want you to know that God hurts with you. And what may feel like the worst thing in your life, and it might be the worst thing. There could come a day, weeks, months, years later, when you look back at the worst thing and you say, I wouldn't want anybody else to go through that. And I would never, ever want to go through that again. But I did experience the presence of God through it. And somehow, God used it. So if you're hurting and you're wondering, where is God? Just remember, once again, we're living in the the not there yet. We're not quite there yet. But the good news is, by the grace, the power, and the glory, and the goodness of God, something better is coming. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Father, I pray especially today on behalf of those who are hurting. Lord, I pray for those who feel like you are far from them because of the situation that they they are in. I pray, Lord God, that they would realize that you love them. Personally and individually. Thank you. Thank you. As you continue to pray this morning, if you're watching us online or if you're here this morning and you say, yes, I'm experiencing something like that, I, uh, it doesn't seem fair. I wish God would change my situation. And I may not understand, but I need God's help. I need God's presence. If that is you this morning, would you raise your hand? Nobody looking around. Just raise your hand. Thank you. If you're watching online, just raise your hand. God sees it. Let's pray. God. I can't even imagine the weight and the pain of of what your children are experiencing right now. God, my heart is heavy. And God, I know that you hurt when your children hurt. And God, I I know that as a a human being with with limited uh, mindset, Lord God, I wouldn't even attempt to offer a reason why. I would cry out to you. Even at times, Lord God, when we cry out, I don't understand why you let this happen. But at the same time, God, we want to dwell in your sanctuary. We want to push through to your presence. And I ask God, in the name of Jesus, that in the middle of hurt and heartache and grief and pain, that you would start to reveal your goodness, even for just a moment, Lord God, in a sense. God, that you're with us. 
God, I pray for miracles. I pray for provision, Lord God. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration, Lord God. I pray, God, for a peace from heaven that goes far beyond our human ability to understand it. God, when we're asking why and don't understand, God, we thank you that you are a God that lets us come to you. Help us, Lord God, to cling to you in the middle of everything that is going on. Even when we don't understand, God. And God, I I pray that, Lord, as we know you, as, as we get to know you, as we fall deeper in love with you, Lord God, that, that it might feel like pain in the moment, Lord God. But we were truly in good. Oh, we would truly understand, Lord God, that you are good. And we would put our trust in you. Thank you, Lord. There might be here those here this morning as you continue to pray. You're watching us online. Those of you who know Christ, I want you to pray for those who don't at this moment. Pray for those who are holding back and trusting in God. So this morning, there may be those of you who acknowledge honestly, you don't know God personally. You don't even know where you stand with God. Who is God? Let me tell you, God is love, and therefore God loves you. And he wants you to feel and experience his love. He wants you to choose to love him back. But why is that difficult to do? The problem is our sin. Our sin separates us from God. But here's the good news. You already heard me say it. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus, his son, to become sin. The innocent, perfect sacrifice died in our place. He's the one who paid the penalty for our sin and God raised him from the dead. Why? Because God has something better coming. The way that you that you're made right with God is not by you being good enough. The fact is Jesus was good enough. He was perfect. He gave his life and rose again so that you could know God so that you could be forgiven. So that you can love God back in the way that God loves you. So if that's you here today or you're watching us online. And you say, honestly, yeah, I honestly don't know God. I feel far from God. What are you going to do? You need to step away from your sin. Whatever's holding you back and say, Jesus, I trust you. When you call on the name of Jesus, he'll hear your prayer. And God forgives your sin right where you are. He'll make you brand new. So if that's you this morning, you say, I need Jesus. If that's your prayer, your prayer is I surrender and give my life to Jesus. Would you pray this prayer? Just pray this prayer with me this morning. Pray, Heavenly Father. I give my life to you. 
I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross in my place. And I believe that you were put in the grave. But I also believe that you rose again by the power of God. I ask that you would forgive me and save me. Make me new. As you have loved me, I choose to love you. So I give you my whole life. Now give me a desire to read your word and to pray every day. Help me to tell others about you. And what I've experienced today. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Somebody celebrate today for those who come to know Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I thank you all this morning. Let me say something for those of you who, who are watching us online or even here in the, in, the, in the building. First off, if you need a Bible, we can help you get one. Amen. Second of all, Read the Bible and pray. Amen. If you're watching us online, let me invite you to come and join us. We are on the, in the eastern side of Baltimore County. Um, we'd love to see you and have you here. We'll help you grow. If you live outside of the area and you can't, it's too far for you to travel here, let me encourage you to find a Bible-believing church to become a part of. Just don't watch it online. Become a part of the family of God in a, in a church setting, whether that's a home church, a house church, or, or a, a large group of people. Find somewhere where you can uh, grow in the Lord, where you can get involved and become a part of the work of the Lord. If you need help in that, you can contact us anytime. Uh, email us, uh, direct message us, anything. We'll help you do that. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you once again for your love for us. And though we live in a troubled world, that there's sin all around us, Lord God, you truly love us right where we are. But you love us too much to leave us where we are. So Lord, help us to live the way that you have us to live follow you, grow in you, Lord God. Father, as we leave this place this morning, Father, I pray that we would be a light in this dark world, doing things, Lord God, that would give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hopefully we'll see you Wednesday.